Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Certain moments from interviews stick in my head. They return when I'm least expecting it. I think about my interview with Guinevere Mann and Yasser Salem a lot. They were on one of the first episodes of Committed. Their story was about how Gwen lost her short-term memory to a brain tumor and stroke, and yet, even with the amnesia, Gwen and Yasser created an incredibly memorable marriage. When things have been hard in my own life over the past few months, I thought about something that Gwen said to me in that interview, about how her memory loss actually made her a happier person because she doesn't hold on to the negative things anymore. This is Gwen. Everybody in my life that knows me really well has said that there's sort of been a a weight lifted off of me. And it's true because I don't carry around anger and sadness like I used to. So I try to really journal and take photographs of happy moments. And then moments when I'm not as happy, I just let them go and I know that I'll forget. I keep that little part of Gwen with me. We get to choose what we keep, what we remember, and how we live our lives. I spoke with Gwen and Yasser in March, and the episode aired in June. Right after that, Gwen was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer, and she passed away this week. Here's Yasser. Less than two weeks after we recorded the podcast, she was diagnosed. She had this pain in her right, right side, which you know, turned out to be uh, metastases in her liver. The next day, we had a full-body PET scan, which revealed that the cancer was widespread. And then two days after that, she was hospitalized. My name is Lena Salem. I'm Yasser's uh, baby sister. And uh, Gwen is my, my beautiful sister-in-law. In my time that I spent there in New York, um, in her last days, um, it was only three, four days that I got to see her before she passed and the day before she passed she was asleep the whole time and he was by her side you know we were told that the last thing to go was her hearing yes I never left her side and he kept telling her how much he loved her and she was asleep you know she didn't respond until that evening she clear as day she said I love you too and yes it just his face lit up and it, I feel like you know that was her last gift to him Gwen and Yasser were the first interview that I did for this podcast. And in some ways, that made it the most important one for me. 
Yasser is setting up a foundation for Gwen called the Guinevere Man Foundation. You can support them by going to the GoFundMe page at gofundme.com slash the dash Guinevere dash man dash foundation. The foundation will honor Gwen's memory and also support research on new therapies and cures for the rare type of lung cancer that Gwen succumbed to. She knew about it before she passed, and she absolutely loved the idea. Friends of theirs told me that she listened to their episode in the weeks before she passed away, listening and remembering her and Yasser's love story. And that's why we want to air it for you again now. This is Gwen in our last interview. After you hear her, we'll replay our original episode. Thank goodness I never forgot Yasser and I never forgot how much I loved him. I never forgot who he was and I never forgot the way that I felt about him. Thank goodness. Um, And, you know, of course he's been so amazing through this whole thing. So that's why we got hitched. (laughs) Memory is a funny thing. Ever since I married Nick, I swear I've gotten worse at finding my keys because I know that he'll always find them. If he weren't here, I may never leave the house. Likewise, he can't remember an appointment to save his life. Not unless I put it on his calendar for him. That's what happens when you're with someone for a long time. Your memories begin to blend. You hardly know where one person stops and the other person's begins. You rely on the other person's memory almost as much as you rely on your own. But what happens when one person can't make new memories? When one person in a relationship has no short-term memory at all? I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. Let's go back in time, to a simpler time. Back when everyone you knew was on MySpace. One day I was just sitting at home and I was bored and I started looking at people's profiles. Yasser's page caught my eye because he was dressed as Borat. That's Guinevere Mann. When she says Borat, she means a full Borat. Lime green mankini, wig, glasses, mustache. I started looking through all his photos and there was him just in all these really funny costumes and he looked like a really fun guy. But what he didn't have on his page was any pictures of just what he really looked like. And so I just said, I need to have this person in my life. Like this person is hilarious. We just started emailing through MySpace back and forth. And then eventually he's like, it looks like we live near each other. If you ever want to get together for a drink, here's my phone number. So one night after work, Gwen's at a bar with her friends. And she's like, I'm going to call MySpace guy. Now Gwen has smart friends. They obviously thought she was insane. But she didn't care. She called him anyway. And it turns out that MySpace guy was at a bar right around the corner. And so I went to the corner and I was just hoping and praying. And then when he walked up, I couldn't believe he was so gorgeous. They stayed up the rest of the night talking. 
And then they went on a date every day for about two weeks. And then basically we were in love. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) It was fast and furious. (laughs) Fast forward two years. Gwen starts getting these dizzy spells. Every once in a while, everything would go black. Then she woke up one morning, opened her eyes, and realized that she couldn't see. After a series of doctor's appointments and finally a brain scan, they found that I had a pretty large tumor the size of an orange. There was sort of a mad rush to find a surgeon and and get surgery as soon as possible. When I had my surgery, I suffered a stroke on the operating table. Yasser was out in the waiting room. We were there for hours and hours before she woke up. That whole day was spent at the hospital with her family and me and her friends coming in and out, uh, waiting for her to get out of surgery. There were a lot of people there waiting for her. And then when she finally came to, she had a really high voice. That was kind of <laughs> really high voice. We're like, what? What is this? <laughs> and then, you know, a few hours later, she was just still really out of sorts, you know, not remembering things, where she was, what city she was in. That's when they started to realize that something was wrong with Gwen's memory. That as a result of the stroke on the operating table, Gwen was suffering from a condition called enterograde amnesia. So I have memories intact from my life leading up to about two years before my surgery. And then everything since then is kind of touch and go of what I remember. Patients with enterograde amnesia lose the ability to create new memories after the event that caused the amnesia. Their long-term memories remain intact. I did remember Yasser when I came out of surgery, but I had confused thoughts about our relationship. Like, I I thought that we had broken up, and he'd be like, no, why do you think you're living in my house, (laughs) sleeping in my bed? We're a couple, you know? And so there was a very short period of time where I was confused about that. Gwen had these things called confabulations or false memories. Her and Yasser breaking up was just one of them. She thought other weird things, like they were living in San Francisco, even though they were definitely still living in New York. She thought her coworker Barbara was her mom. She also believed that Barack Obama was her best friend. Obama was just being voted in for president right when I went in for my surgery. And so I had a crossed wire that I thought that I was personal friends with Obama. (laughs) And it was like, oh, no, I had just voted for Obama. But um, (laughs) so that was kind of funny. But um, yeah, so it was just like really weird crossed wires like that. I went through a period of time where I was terrified that I was going to be locked up in an insane asylum. And I'll just be like, please don't lock me up. And Yasser would be like, honey, you're not crazy. You know, you've just been through a lot. Like, it's going to get better. There was a point when she got out of her surgery where she would literally turn her head left, have a sign there with something written on it, turn her head to the right, and there's another sign written there. Flip back to the left sign, and um, it was like her reading it all over again. It It was that bad. Yasser didn't just have to care for Gwen as she recovered from surgery. He had to learn to help her live as a person with a damaged memory. He had to fill in the gaps. 
every day for many months, we would wake up and he would hand me a, a, a letter I had written to myself, explaining to myself what was going on and how I was having amnesia and not to be frightened and everything was okay. And then he was just there sort of endlessly <laughs> answering the same questions over and over again and, and going to my therapies with me to learn how to live life a little bit differently, you know, how to make up for my issues that I was having. So he was really there all along the way. Every time I get sad about my memory, he goes, everybody forgets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, if you ask anybody what they ate for lunch three days ago, I would bet you nobody could answer that question right away. So she sometimes forgets what it's like for everybody else. Okay, so walk me through this. What can you remember and what still gets lost for you? Pretty much everything gets lost. It's really hard to describe what it feels like to have amnesia because it's not at all what I imagined it would be like before I had it. Because I know that I, I will forget things very quickly. I mean, after we finish this conversation, I'll remember it for maybe like an hour, maybe until I go to bed, I might remember it. But then tomorrow, I probably won't remember it until I see it on the whiteboard. As Gwen was telling me this, I kept thinking about this terrible movie that I once watched on a flight from New York to London. This was the kind of terrible movie that's only okay to watch on a plane. You've probably heard of it. Fifty First Dates? In it, Drew Barrymore has to go on Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler because she has interrogate amnesia and never remembers him. She won't remember him tomorrow. Don't you remember me a little? Hey, First dates. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that a lot. <laughs> Certainly there is a lot of heartache that goes along with what happened to me and us as a couple just going on this journey together. But there was, of course, a lot of funny things that happened too. I love to tell the story of when Yasser and I both hate doing dishes. And so we always alternated who does dishes every night. And that was just what we did through our whole relationship. And so one night we were having dinner and Yasser says, it's your turn to do dishes tonight. And I said, didn't I do them last night? And he gets this look on his face, sort of mischievous look. And he says, you used to not remember. I was like, how long have I been doing the dishes every night? He's like, I don't know, about six months. I was like, well played, sir. Like I couldn't even be mad about it because well, I didn't remember. Let me clarify. I, I cook the meals, she washes the dishes. So she makes me, she's yeah. making me look like I'm the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy. No, he's, yeah, he, yeah. he has definitely been yeah. nothing but wonderful throughout this yeah. experience, you know. Yasser has other ways of getting Gwen to do things without her realizing she's doing them. We'll find out more about how he kind of tricks his wife when we get back from a short break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt 
to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Yasser also has a way of getting Gwen to do things without her realizing that she's doing it. After the surgery, he decided that one of the best ways to keep Gwen healthy was to get her to run, and not just run around the block like I do, once a week, but to run an entire marathon. We just started running, and then we joined New York Roadrunners. And I, because I don't remember much, you know, sort of didn't really realize exactly what was going on and that he was getting us trained. Running a marathon is not something in my previous life that I would have ever, ever done. And I think that when we did that first marathon, it was two years after my surgery. Crossing the finish line, it it was so much more than just running a marathon for me. It was emotionally just tied to like going from feelings of fear and am I going to die or how has my life changed and what's happening to I am still a capable and strong person. I could never do it without Yasser. For me, the meaning of that marathon, the 2010 marathon was, um, you know, I was very proud of her, but it also inspired me to do bigger things like she had done. Were you ever worried that you would wake up one day and just have totally forgotten Yasser? That he would become a total stranger to you, like in the very beginning? I was worried that the me that I am now was not going to be enough for him. And I was very scared that he would not want to be in a relationship with me anymore because of how I am now. And he was always putting me at ease. And then, of course, when he surprised me with the most wonderful wedding proposal ever. (laughs) (laughs) See, we have to make things memorable for her to help her remember things. You know, Yasser and I had been running marathons together for a few years already, and he gets me up early one morning to go running in Central Park, and I was really, like, sort of grumbling the whole way, like, it's cold outside, I already run several marathons, like, I'm tired of running, and and he's like, you'll feel better once we're up there, and so once we entered the park, there was this like enclosed garden area, and he said, well, what's going on in there, let's go check it out. And it's, we, the, uh, it's the spot from uh, Elf. You know where they had the snowball fight. That's not why we picked it. It's just it's just a nice little cutoff nice spot little where yeah. it's off the path. Yeah. So we go in there, and there's this huge group of people doing an aerobics class. And I realized that the person teaching the class is our very good friend Elaine, who is also our wedding officiant at our wedding. So she's a very close friend of ours. And my first thought isn't this is strange. My first thought is Elaine teaches aerobics and didn't invite me. <laughs> like what's going on? And then everyone turns around and I realize it's all our friends and they're all in dressed in disguises with hats and wigs and they're all wearing shirts that spell out Gwen William Mary Yasser. And, um, and yeah, so it was amazing. It was very memorable. And to have all of our friends involved with it, it was, it was really great. One of the happiest days of my life. Yeah, it was great. It was good. 
For several weeks, at least after we got married, I would wake up every morning and say, did this really happen? And then I'd look down at my finger and see the ring and say, yes, it's really happening. Yeah, but I do that too. And I never even had a brain tumor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. So when did you guys get married? 2014. Good memory. Thank you. That really memorable marathon led to more marathons. Apparently, as marathons tend to do. In fact, a side effect, one of the very few pleasant ones of Gwen's condition, is that it's forced the two of them to make happy and exciting memories to combat this memory loss. To really push the boundaries of adventure on a regular basis. To try to craft the most memorable marriage ever. One of the benefits of my amnesia has really helped us to become a couple that does a lot more things together. Yeah, I think we're a lot more active, but we don't have to spend a lot of time making those moments happen. You know, obviously I would have never chosen to go through it, but it has forced me to rethink my life and think, what is it that I want to do that will make me happy? One of the things was, you know, when I was worried about what am I going to do when it's time for me to go back to work and what should I study in school? And and Yasser was like, don't think about what you should do. Just think about what makes you happy, like what brings you joy in your life. And so that has caused me to, you know, do things like enroll in Juilliard. Her music memory is very different than the amnesia that she has in her day-to-day life. She can pick up and remember music that she's been practicing, but she might not actually remember that she practiced. So she might go into, you know, a performance or something or like for friends and and not remember that she's even ready for it. Sometimes life can be so hard. Sometimes it'll bring you to your knees. But in times like these, I know that I can always count on you. I know that I can always count on you. Gwen and Yasser might be the most interesting couple that I've ever met. And not just the most interesting couple that survived a brain tumor together, but hands down, the most interesting couple. They're, of course, like really modest about this when I mention it to them. Here are just a few of the things they've accomplished in the years since Gwen's surgery. At the urging of my cognitive therapists, uh, I went back to school and I got a degree in creative writing from NYU. I've completed eight marathons. One thing kind of led to another. We ran that marathon together. From there, I went to uh, learning how to swim and did my first triathlon, which was an Olympic distance after that, you know, I was like, well, what's, what's the next step after that? You know, I enjoyed running marathons so much with Gwen that last year I started this thing where I run a marathon every month. Right now, I'm, I think I'm up to like 32 total marathons. I'll, I'll hit 40 by the end of this year. He's very motivated. <laughs> and then Yasser got into something really competitive. Yeah, competitive eating. He figured if Gwen could survive a brain tumor and a stroke, come back from it better than ever, 
than he could eat more hot dogs than any man in the world. I gave that my my best shot. Remembered what Guinevere had come from, and that kind of pushed me. I made it to Nathan's, I think, five times now. So that's the the Super Bowl of competitive eating. Um, I've set world records in corn on the cob, in cannoli. And then from there, I went on to winning these races called the Tour de Donut, which are donut and bicycle races. I'm going to need you to explain what the Tour de Donut is for our listeners who aren't familiar with the world of competitive pastry eating. What you do is they're usually about 36 miles long. At the 12-mile mark of a 36-mile race, you get off your bike and you uh, eat donuts at a donut station. So my record's actually 61 donuts. Um, so... <laughs> And now I can't actually think of a better place for a break or for a donut. I'm going to grab one and we'll be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Part of being married to Gwen means helping her build a memory. Both Gwen and Yasser can't imagine how this would work without the kind of technology that's available today. Smartphones that take photos and videos, Google Docs, calendar apps. I, I've thought about that a lot, of how much harder life would be for me and for us as a couple without the technology. We're the organized couple. And some of our friends will make fun of us sending them calendar requests, but you know, they're the ones enjoying the fruits of those of that kind of planning. I journal every day, a couple times a day, and I take lots of photographs, and I write a lot of silly jingles. I need to hear it. Can you give me an example of one of the jingles? What's a good one? Oh, Elaine's house. Oh, yeah, so the, the, this is an example. So of she couldn't remember, if she saw that, she couldn't remember that she knows the jingle, but maybe I have to kind of prompt her. They're like, what is it? Yeah, so one is I have a good friend, Elaine, and so I, we made a jingle for me to help help remember to get to her house. So you take the ARG train to 146, then you walk north on St. Nicholas to the corner of 150th, buzzer 7H. <laughs> Yeah, it's sad, though, that Elaine's actually moved. So yeah, several years ago, and I remember that jingle. She's basically figured a way to support her memory with memory aids, whether it's like note cards or this journal that she has going on, which is very well organized, and her 
extensive photo taking on a day-to-day basis. And the nice thing of these, you know, these cloud drive photo tools is that they all have like facial recognition. And let's say we're seeing Elaine this weekend, which we are, you know, she can just click on Elaine's face. I also keep my journal electronically so I can just... Usually if I'm going to meet up with a friend or something, I'll just search in my journal for their name and see what was the last, you know, time that I saw them and what we did. Most times I will not remember time spent with friends. If we're being social, you know, it's really important for me to to still be social because I feel so sort of cut off from the world. But when you forget it, it doesn't feel like you are. You just, it's very, yeah, it's sort of a very lonely experience. More than any other couple, you guys have a very physical account of your relationship because you'll always have these photos and memories of your whole marriage. And in some ways, there's a real blessing to that, to have these physical things that you can pull out and touch because memory is fallible. I know that if I hadn't written How to Be Married, I don't know if I'd remember a lot about my first year of marriage with Nick. I mean, we write things in little books all the time. We write down one memory a day about our baby. And without those things, I know I'd forget them. Again, we use technology to kind of solve those kinds of disputes and problems. Yeah, so for me, I have a whiteboard calendar hanging in our kitchen, and it's a monthly calendar, and so I put all of my appointments on there. All of those appointments are also added into my Google Calendar, which updates my phone. Before I go to bed every night, I write out on an index card the date, and then I put on any appointments that I have for the following day. I have a hard time mapping things out in my head, like directions, and so I will map out directions using Google Maps. So I'll write that on the index card along with where I need to be and what time I need to leave. And then I'll set alarms in my phone, when to take a shower, when to leave the house. This idea of memory and relationships is just interesting in general. I tell Nick all the time that his memory's gotten worse. And I think that happens to most couples. Your memories become intertwined. But what has it been like to have to rely on Yasser's memory? To not do it because it's easier or because you're being lazy, like me, but to have no choice. I'm very lucky that Yasser is a very intelligent and organized person. And so I know that I can really trust him and rely on him. Of course, I don't want to be a drag either. So that's why I do as best I can to to figure things out on my own. Does it ever get annoying? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm human. You know, maybe we were in a grocery store like the first week she was out and I'd say, can you go grab some bread? And then she'd go one aisle down and she wouldn't remember what it was and she would come right back. But I have to remember what the situation is, you know, and understand and be compassionate. What about arguments and remembering arguments? Do you just let yourself forget about the fights or do you mark them specifically in your journal? dog ear the pages. If there's any anything that we have a disagreement about or we have like a, you know, real serious conversation about, I'll, I'll write about it in my journal so that I can remember, you're not going to get me on this, buddy. <laughs> in a way, you almost get to choose what you're going to remember. You can select the very best things and put those into storage, keep them, and toss out the bad bits, the rubbish. 
I also know that if I get irritated about something, I know that I'll forget it. And so I'm actually a much happier person. And everybody in my life that knows me really well has said that they noticed that about me, that there's sort of been a a weight lifted off of me. And, and it's true because I don't carry around anger and sadness like I used to, because really, truly, I just forget about it. You know, give me a couple hours and I won't remember it. It's kind of a blessing in a weird way. There's this quote I keep thinking about from The Handmaid's Tale. The book, not the Hulu series. And I don't just go around quoting feminist dystopian novels all the time. I'm not Daria. But this one fits. It goes like this. When we think of the past, it's the beautiful things we pick out. We want to believe it was all like that. Gwen can believe it was all like that. Gwen was so incredibly loved by her friends and family. A lot of them called us and wanted to share their favorite memories of her and her relationship with Yasser. We want to close with just a few of them. My name's Elaine. There are some rare situations like these guys where this intertwining is impenetrable. Watching her, watching him from a hospital bed when he was stressed out about stuff. Like, you could see it all the time. You could see them watching and communicating. And their priority was always to take care of each other with this tenderness and really bad fart jokes. So as traumatic as the last while was, the love that was between them, I, it was a gift. That's why it's also crushing and horrific. But one of the things I will always treasure about Guinevere is that she was very supportive about the things that you wanted for you. And, you know, she really had the perspective on what was most important in life. My name's Angela Hoffman, and Guinevere is a dear friend of mine. She wrote this poem. My illness changed us, how much I depend on you for everything I once did for myself. Once young and carefree, now aging together. Gray hair and forgetfulness. Life is but a temporary thing that when young seems to drag on forever, but when old escapes us too quickly. I squeeze your hand tightly to silently tell you I love you and you squeeze back. To follow the progress of the Guinevere Mann Foundation or to donate, visit GuineveereMann.org. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Guinevere Mann and Yasser Salem, as well as Lena Salem, Elaine Cavanaugh, Sonny Paul, Don Lauder, Lizabel Haida, and Angela Hoffman. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt, with additional editing by Alex Williams and Tyler Klang, and mixing by Tristan McNeil. Additional recording by Julian Weller and Daniel Wolodorf. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hatikater, and Will Pearson. Theme song and original music by Tristan McNeil, with original song by Guinevere Mann. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, send an email to joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the How Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. 
This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.